Mastermind.fm is proudly sponsored by LiquidWeb. While LiquidWeb has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options, it's also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, LiquidWeb is the partner you've been waiting for. Now with Visual Compare, at first in the managed WordPress space, automatically updates your plugins. Each night we take a snapshot and visually compare the difference between each plugin. If there's no visual difference, we update the plugin for you. If there is a visual difference, we hold off updating that plugin and wait for your direction. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated into their management portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. And if you sign up today using the discount code MASTERMIND33, you'll get 33% off for the next six months. Visit liquidweb.com forward slash managed WordPress to get started. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another show of Mastermind.fm. So it's going to be James and myself, Jean Galea. And today we're going to talk about James finally writing on his blog. <laughs> so we're going to discuss what he wrote about and the follow-up question, how he can write more content. And this might seem silly, but it's uh, really what we've been discussing earlier today on Slack uh, between me and James. So as we were trying to come up with a title for this episode, this is what James suggested. And really, <laughs> it's what we were talking about. So why not? <laughs> yeah, it was one of these tough situations where <laughs> it's it's one of these tough situations where I just uh, I have a hard time writing. And I was on Twitter the other over the weekend and we were I was just posting. I, I had mentioned something about the fact that we had just had our, you know, latest renewing uh, rec recurring subscriptions coming in. So these automatic renewals are starting to roll in for the last like 15 days. I think we started in April 15th. So from April 15th, to April 30th. And I was posting a little bit how it had a pretty, pretty significant impact on our business and on our sales. And so I got a lot of questions about it and, and somebody had asked for some tips on, on how they, how we had that set up. And I was like, I can't write this in 140 characters. So I guess it's to the blog. Um, so I, I wrote it up really quick on a, on a, on Sunday and, and published it and it's been getting some, some good shares and likes and retweets and stuff like that. So it's a, uh, it's an issue that people are interested in, but the struggle is right. Is I just, I have a hard time writing and this is one of those articles. I think the last one I wrote was my year in review of 2016. So it's been a good, a solid five months since I wrote anything. But what I wrote about was just sharing uh, the stats of you know the automatic renewing subscriptions where they started from how we got how I how we got here and uh how the impact of only a small sample and I I can't stress this enough I said this like I probably several times in the article this is only like half a month of data so this is not these are not the hard numbers uh our renewal percentage rate is probably going to go down a little bit um but it was still a significant number that I wanted to share it for those who are on the fence as to whether or not they should uh, add renewing, you know, automatic renewals to their products. Um, I just wanted to kind of share it to kind of encourage people that like, yeah, you should probably just go ahead and do this. So that that's where the article came from. Okay, so you got me interested. So what was it all about, really? Yeah. So I started telling a little bit about the backstory and, and we'll, we'll put we'll post the link to the article in the show notes. so You can yeah. read it. But the, the, the for those who are lazy. 
for those who don't want to listen to this whole episode, just want to read the article, you can do that. Now, uh, what happened was, is it was about th- a little over three years ago, I was at Pressnomics 2. And I was, it was my first business conference. I was there with Kevin, my partner, and we were, we were totally naive kind of going into it. We were just like, oh, this is kind of cool to go to a business conference. We've, we've, we've got a business that's making enough money that we can do this. So we were there and, and as we were having conversations with people throughout the day, we were like, all these people are like, have, have actual strategy. Like they have like plans and they're trying to make deals and they're talking to the hosts and all this stuff, trying to, to make something happen and we were like we're just glad to be here like we we just want people to know who we like that we exist like that was about the extent of it for us and we realized we needed to change quickly and so by the evening we had uh kind of refocused ourselves a little bit and said all right well what do we want to get out of this like for the business standpoint what would help us and there was a lot of cool things that came out of that that we're still that's still today we like we have we're, we have a deal with that we were working with uh GoDaddy and and some other hosts and and that all kind of birthed out of that first Pressnomics. It started there. But the most important thing that came out of Pressnomics too was this conversation about renewal rates. Uh, in, pro- in, in the WordPress space, product renewal rates are somewhere in the vicinity of 10 to 30% at best. Your outliers at 30%. Like 30% is considered pretty significantly high because you're asking a customer to remember a year later, even by email, to come and basically redo what they did a year ago. Like do it again. Like, hey, I know you purchased a year ago. I'd like you to purchase again this year and this year and this year. And it's, you know, to be honest, you just, you lose people that way because they don't necessarily, either they don't see the reason to upgrade or they don't see the email to upgrade grade or they don't you know whatever the case may be and so we not to were... mention that it's it's a pain to actually go in and pay for every add-on you buy yeah absolutely i mean i mean think about it this way i you know i as a, a product owner and and one who's selling i buy all of these easy digital downloads add-ons i'm a search wp customer i'm a social warfare customer i'm a beaver builder customer i'm a genesis customer i'm a like i have all of these things that i'm a who i'm a customer of and i love them all but man it's a pain in the butt to manage it all and have to go in every year and i didn't buy them all at the same time so it seems like every week something is coming up for renewal that i have to go deal with i I'll tell you this as a customer if you if you, if I am your customer please set up automatic renewals you are helping me I want this I don't want to have to come back to your site a year from now and do this all over again so please you would be doing me a favor by <laughs> by setting up automatic renewals and if I feel this way as a customer, probably a good majority of my own customers feel the same way. And so we were lamenting about our renewal rates. I think at the time our renewal rate was uh, you know, at 20%, and we were considered doing pretty well with our renewal rates because other people were as low as you know, 10 7%, like crazy low. And then a few people were you know, boasting 30 But in this conversation, uh, one gentleman was talking about his renewal rates, and he was boasting 80% renewal rates. And I'm like, how is that even possible? And so he talked, started talking about this idea of automatic renewals. And this isn't a new concept. It wasn't even a new concept three years ago at Pressnomics, but it's for some reason it's a new con it was a new concept in WordPress. WordPress businesses are always like years and years behind the curve on like best practices for running a business. 
So all that being said, we were naive and we hadn't, most of us hadn't either not thought about it or had thought that it just wasn't something you could do in the WordPress space. And But here was somebody who was doing it in the WordPress space quite successfully. And so the next morning I, I see, searched out Pippin and I was like, let me tell you, what are your renewal rates? And he, he told me, I'm like, how would you like 80%? He goes, I would love 80%. I said, well, let's talk about it. And so that day we started kind of playing around with what would recurring subscriptions look like? What would how how do you do renewals and stuff like that? And granted, we were just scratching the surface of the concept, and they were kind of thinking about it. And it took pro- another solid two years before that, but before they're renewing subs- their subscription. Uh, subs- what I don't even remember what their product is called now, off the top of my head. Um, their recurring payments add-on. Uh, it took about two years for that to actually come out. And as soon as it came out, we implemented it. And uh, well, maybe not as soon as it came out, but pretty close. We were sat on it for a little while because we were working on a few other things. But we launched it on April 15th of 2016. And on April 15th of this year, recurring renewals came in. And the the impact has been insane. Uh, so the short of it is our renewals went from, I think I, I calculated it being about 19.93% was our current uh, renewal rate for customers. And it, in that fif- just that 15-day period sample, our renewal rate went up to 79.73%. Now that number is going to go down because there are going to be refunds that come in. But yeah, 79.73. So it was an insanely large amount and I mean I, I'm not I'm not gonna get into the like the nitty gritty of the actual makes you numbers. want to hate your past self <laughs> yeah right <laughs> uh, you know actually it's funny because we had a record month and I was just sad that we hadn't started it at the first of the month because the number we would have hit would have been like a really big milestone for us and so I was a little sad that we're gonna have to wait another month to hit that milestone but it was it, it has from what I can tell at this point has increased our sales uh, by 1.8 times sales so almost doubled our sales. Uh, we've almost doubled our, our 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 average daily revenue every single day, and it's not stopped. I mean, for uh, for the last, we're going into the third strong week of renewals, where renewals have really been kicking in, and we are uh, now, th- you know, starting the, the the first two days of the third week, our sales have not dropped even a littlest bit. They've only been going up, and it's it's kind of crazy to watch. And so, yes. It's a year later, so uh, some of our new sales have gone up as well because just normal natural growth. But renewals have really pushed us over the top, and it's been kind of an insane thing to kind of watch. And so I wanted to share that because it was such a such a huge impact to our, our revenue. I just wanted to share because I know there's some people who are still not implementing for one reason or another. Maybe, again, it's still philosophical. Maybe it's technical reasons. But there should be no reason at this point you should be implementing this as as a uh, as a part of your offering. So just just to make it clear, your renewal rate went from what was it? It was nineteen point nine three percent. Nineteen to seventy nine percent. To seventy nine percent. Yeah, <laughs> guys. Yeah, it was huge. 
<laughs> I think Pippin is going to get some spike in his <laughs> in his plugin sales for the renewal. I mean, he <laughs> may just get, he, at the very least he may get some flowers sent to him from me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like no, I mean it is it's a crazy amount. Now, now that number pro- might drop down. I think once you know there are going to be some higher refunds that have still probably not rolled in yet. That number could go down as low as seventy percent, um, but still. Uh, 19 to 70% is huge. And, and the dollars that those rep- that, that that percentage represents is, is it's quite the impact. So it, it's, yeah, it's extremely significant. It is nothing to scoff at. It's actually, the painful part is that we didn't do it much, much, much sooner um, because so much money left on the table. How many customers churned out because we didn't have this available for them. Uh, Those are the things that are kind of painful, and you start to say, oh, how do I get them back? (laughs) Like, how do we get back? But it's neat. It's neat. It's actually, uh, the other thing it's done, too, is it's made my forecasting of my sales more predictable because I have a more predictable model now that I can base off of. At the very least, I have a predictable... um, Yeah guaranteed revenue from re- renewing subscriptions and then the new sales are just the wild card i don't know how they're going to dip or go up based on whatever but i have a certain level of assurance of that recurring revenue and that's really exciting to be able to run those numbers and base decisions off of that is really neat awesome i just have no words uh... <laughs> and in, <laughs> in the article we have implemented it but we're have. gonna have to wait another year because it's yeah. just been implemented a, like a month ago. Yeah, and that I, you know, to be honest, I will say like we, it's been a painful wait. Like when we implemented in April of last year, it's like oh, I gotta wait another whole year. Like I have to wait till April fifteenth of two thousand seventeen for this to happen, and it was a little bit painful. And I had some, I had some anticipation of what to expect. Like I had a little bit of an idea, but it has exceeded my expectations um, by far. And so it was, it was, it's been, yeah, it's been really significant, really powerful. In that blog post, I also do share least the basics of how I set it up for our initial setup and as renewals get start to come due, some things you might want to have in place. Um, I, I Again, to be clear, I am not an expert at this. There are books on running renewal, you know, running a recurring, re, you know, renewing automatic payment s- uh, subscription system. There's, there are books on this topic. Um, there are some things that I should be doing that I'm not doing. There are some things that, I, that I'd like to be doing that I can't be doing because there aren't services or there aren't the tools yet to do what I want with my particular system that I either have to create myself or wait for somebody to catch up. Um, But all that being said, um, there are some ideas and some tips in there for people to kind of get started if they if they are looking for, you know, um, just some initial setup ideas. Awesome. So the next topic uh, was actually me and you were discussing how what was it about how you get ideas on what topics to write about on your blog? Was that the biggest uh, thing blocking you from actually writing more? It's it's a combination of things. So let me uh, let me share my dilemma because you you actually shared some points in Slack that I think are going to mm. be helpful yeah. for me, um, although they don't they they don't necessarily solve all of my 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 issues that I struggle with. My problem with writing is 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 probably one part idea generation. And one part maintaining that motivation long enough to get an article completed. That's how I. That's the the, the two parts. And maybe that's obvious. And everyone says, "Well, that's everybody's problem." <laughs> but but for whatever reason, I've not figured out how to cross it. So what happens is, I 
I touch a lot of my business. I am hands-on at Ninja Form. So I I write code that goes into the product. I make decisions that, that impact marketing. I basically run the website and build the website and do everything that happens on the website. I do the finances of our business. I do the affiliates of our business. I mean, I do all of this stuff. And so there's plenty of things for me to write about. I touch so many different things. But I think part of it is I'm in the weeds doing it that I don't come I don't think of them as ideas. I just think of them as the thing that I'm doing right now. And so mm-hmm. I don't gener- I don't generate content from it unless again, unless it's something that immediately there's a kind of a fire in me that wants to write about it. Like there's some sort of motivation or idea that just like hits me and I want to write about it. But the problem is, is I don't write fast enough and and clearly enough to get it out before the the motivation goes away. So I probably could write an article, but I'd only get halfway through and go, this idea sucks Mm -hmm. and move on. Like I just quit because I, I lose the motivation. So those are my two struggles, I think, is the idea generation being too close to something. Uh, and so not not generating the idea and then maintaining the motivation to actually finish the article uh, instead of just half, you know, writing two opening paragraphs and then moving on because I've I've lost all zeal to, to say what I wanted to say, which is, by the way, why I love podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the major problem I see there and something I've gone through in the past is actually knowing your motivation for why you're writing in the first place. I think you can't really tackle the other problems unless you know why you're writing in the first place. That's, you know, that's fair. And I think I know why I like to write. Um, I think perhaps the next level problem of that is the problem that we all deal with. Uh, and that's this this idea of imposter syndrome, right? Like the, the, the things that excites me to write, the reason why I love writing is to encourage people and to teach people. So to give them information that will hopefully help them take their business or their life to the next level, that will encourage them to be hopefully better people, better versions of themselves, whatever the case may be. But I think I'd deal with the the, the, the thing that we all deal with. Uh, this isn't unique to me, I know. Um, but who am I? Like, really, what do I have to offer? Or how how um how naive of me to think that the thing that I'm sharing isn't something that somebody hasn't shared a million times before uh, and and not embracing the fact that perhaps my perspective on the topic may actually be what makes it unique, not the topic itself. But I struggle with that. I struggle with the idea of maybe there maybe there's no point maybe nobody wants to even though I have gotten great feedback on much of the content that I do put out as little as it is. Um, I think sometimes I do struggle with the idea of who really would want to read this. Hmm. Okay. I think like in my case, I don't really think of the imposter syndrome because when I write, it's usually either I'm writing to learn or I'm writing because I just have something inside that like I can't keep it to myself, you know? So sure. I just have to write about it. So there's no... Like the imposter syndrome doesn't even factor in because if I'm sharing something that I I just came across and love, you know, it's like I'm not I'm not positioning myself as an authority on the topic. In fact, sure. I'm I'm just writing about something that I may be the least knowledgeable person around. I just happen to read it and write about what I read or what I 
tried out in the case of renewals, for example. So for sure, there's been a lot of people who wrote about renewals, and you know that. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's not even something new. It's something really old in terms of what people do with their products. It's just that WordPress product people have caught on late for some reason or another to this thing. So in this case, I wouldn't say there's really an imposter syndrome to worry about. It's just you putting out your experience. But so I I would question in that case, why did you actually publish the content? Because I think it's not really something that where you're positioning yourself as an authority or something where the imposter syndrome would really factor in. Well, I I mean, even even this article, the uh, even as I put it, that's why I think I make so many qualifications throughout the post of um, now, mind you, I don't think this is the end all. Like, I don't want somebody to read my numbers and go, dude, you're 14 days in and in two weeks, refunds are going to come in and that rate's going to be you know different. I know this. Right. And so I feel like I have to always like qualify and before somebody can make the judgment against me judge myself to know that yeah yeah, this is not completely accurate but i wanted to share it anyway kind of thing so i think there is a little bit like the reason i wrote the article is because we were having a conversation there were lots of people who were like hey i would love some tips and i genuinely like helping people and if i can give somebody some insight that they may not have thought of and i don't know if they thought of any of these things or not they were just the things that we had implemented um um, then great, I'd love to help. And I couldn't do it over Twitter, so it ended up being an article. Otherwise, I would have just done it over Twitter and not bothered to write an article about it. Hmm. Um, so yeah, and but there, I think there was still a level of um, there are people there. There are much smarter people in the space who have been doing renewing subscriptions, you know, since the beginning of time, <laughs> from the beginning of online recurring business, and uh, they're going to read my notes and go. Uh, you're a doofus because uh, most of this stuff is wrong and the stuff that's right has been known for the, since the beginning of time, right? But I have to always remember too that I'm writing to an audience in, in a lot of cases that this is not necessarily old school the way it's always been. You know, recur- You know, automatically renewing subscriptions in WordPress is new, sadly enough. While it shouldn't be, it is. It's, it is a new thing. So I, I think I still struggle with that a little bit. If I'm just being completely honest to you and to our listeners, uh, as we have this kind of candid uh, mastermind uh, session, uh, that is a big piece of, uh, of my struggle at times. I, I think sometimes I don't appreciate, I don't like my own writing. I either don't like the mm. content or I don't like the way I phrase it. And so I struggle. So I'll, I'll write through uh, I'll write an entire blog post and then when I read it over, I'll end up scrapping it because I'm like, ah, I think I lost myself. Like I think somewhere along the line, I lost the passion and it, I'm not getting the passion hmm. when I read this back and so I just get rid of it. So there, yeah, it's a it's multi multifaceted. I love how blogs manage to bring out these interesting aspects of our characters, don't you think? Mm-hmm. No, certainly. Um, and I'm always so jealous of the people who can, who seem to write and are prolific and are amazingly profound in the things that they write. Um, one of my favorite, my, one of probably my favorite writer uh, and blogger communicator, uh, Seth Godin, which most people know who he is. But if you read it, I love his blogs. His blogs are like two sentences and they will knock you off your seat. Like you'll read it and it's the most profound thing you have ever read. And it's in two sentences. And he, I mean, obviously he's, he's taken years and years to get to that point where he can be so succinct and so focused and so to the point and yet, and, and just totally blow your mind on a concept. And 
I always appreciate that. And I think perhaps maybe part of my imposters, I judge myself against other writers as well, just like we all do. Um, and I read other people's stuff and I'm like, it's not as good as that. And, uh, and, hmm. and that's not necessarily a healthy judgment. Don't get me wrong. I don't need to be like anyone else. I just need to do, put out my stuff. But there is still, I think, a little bit of that in me that maybe holds me back. And I'm like, I could write this, but... Um, it's not going to be as good as I would like it to be. Hmm. So yeah, I, I, like if I had to suggest something, it would be to maybe treat your blog in a different way. It's not your like, like a lot of people treat their Facebook wall in that way. You know, they want to project their best image of themselves. They edit photos for ages until they upload it, you know, or, or Instagram, it's the same thing. And I think blogs, at least the way I treat my blog is just it's just i i think i actually don't think of an audience i write for myself so it's just me writing putting into words what i've learned or really anything i i want to write about and uh, you know many times i actually want myself to be wrong on some level so that i can improve let's say i talk about investing okay i'm no great investor i would consider myself a beginner investor but writing about it i would probably catch the eye of some better investor who will jump in and tell me hey this is wrong you should be doing it this way and that's why that's how I will learn, you know, because it's very relevant. And when I'm reading a book about investment, I won't necessarily learn that much as if I write about something I've actually tried and somebody can fix or correct what I've done. So I yeah. think that approach really gets rid of the imposter syndrome altogether. Right. No, I think that's fair. And I pretty, I, yeah. And I, I think I, I've gone through phases like that where that is the approach that I take. And, you know, I've just, I just pulled up my website uh, and just was looking at past content that I've written. And it's funny that I announced uh, in the, the last four articles. So this shows you how much I've written. In the last four articles, the oldest article of those four was me announcing the launch of Mastermind.fm. <laughs> like that's that's how bad I am at writing. But you know, I've some of my favorite articles are things like you know I can I wrote an article called I can guarantee your failure. Uh, an article if it's too hard, it's called a growth opportunity. Um, these are the things that are my favorite pieces. Um, you know, I did it without. This is actually a really funny one. I wrote an article called I did it without getting on a list, and so can you. And so one of the one of my employees pointed out that it's that sounds like a terrorist manifesto, <laughs> which I don't know if that's appropriate to, to talk about. But he's like, do you realize that seems like like I did it without getting on a list? And so can you. Um, so anyway, uh, I, those are some of my favorite things to write about. Um, and and so it's yeah, it's but those things don't come all the time. They come in a in a period of time where i see online someone being bullied um uh, their business being trashed and tore down or i see a friend who made a mistake and and nobody wants to offer any kind of grace or forgiveness for them to rise above it and those things frustrate me in humanity so much that i'm compelled to write then and say let's be better people let's not do this let's let's build people up let's see we're already getting at something. This is why you're right. You know, this is what I asked you about. Sure. But I think my struggle is the reason I write infrequently and maybe, I don't know, I don't know. I, either I don't allow myself to be affected by too much. I try to keep myself, my head low, my head down and stay out of the drama of it. And so I don't write about that stuff as much. So they don't happen as frequently. It is an infrequent 
thing that hits me emotionally and I'm like, I can't mm. not say something anymore. Like I need to speak up because this is, this is awful. Um, right. and I don't want, I don't want to see anyone else being treated this way. Or I, you know, I don't want somebody to think, you know, that, that like the article I wrote, I did it without getting on any lists is I saw a bunch of people really frustrated with their own, um, growth in the WordPress space because torque every year and some other people would write an article about the you know, the most influential people in WordPress or the people that you should know in WordPress and 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 they're like why am I not on this list and I wish I was on this list and blah blah blah, blah. what does it take to get on the list and so I wrote an article I did it without getting on a list right like I I was able to build a successful business and nobody still really knows who I am for the most part <laughs> like like nobody when you read about these articles you're not going to see me and my name on any of those lists because uh, for whatever reason, I am not the type of person that they qualify to fall onto that list. But yet, I still ran a successful business. So don't look at that as the thing that's going to get you there. It's not. Um, and those are the times that I guess I, I need more of those things. Maybe I just need to let more drama in my life so I can write more. <laughs> I was going to say that if from this perspective, if you don't write, it means all is well in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> that that could be true. That could be true. If if your if your blog is known for calling things out, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna start looking at that way. Well, I haven't written in a while because everything's hunky dory. <laughs> uh, let's shift a little bit though. So we talked a lot about the motivation of writing and what motivates us to write. And we had some ideas like for you, you're writing to yourself, you're writing to remember, you're writing to archive an idea or thought or whatever the case may be. You're, you're, you're writing to, because you're learning and you want to, you want to just kind of get it out there. Um, and for me, it seems and, I'm, uh, yeah, if I just might add yeah. something that I realized I write and I'm doing more consciously, I write to slow down. So I realized that I was addicted to consuming not products, but information. So I would be listening to audiobooks, books, reading, you know, reading blogs. And like my life was overridden by constantly learning from everything. But actually it's not learning, it was consumption. So I wasn't actually learning. So I'd read a book and forget it the next day and restart or not even finish the book. So now I force myself to take it slower and I implemented some rules. So if I read a book, I need to write about it. If I go and try meditation, I need to write about it because that helps me understand what I just did. Yeah. So no, that, that was another aspect of it. And uh, if you have a healthy porridge uh, recipe, you have to share it. And <laughs> Yeah, because I forget how I made it the next day. And that was actually true. I was cooking a lot of stuff and never remembering what I actually put into the pot. Oh, that's hilarious. So yeah, so I think that's fair, right? So and and so and my motivation t tends to be I want to call out a situation, I want to bring attention to something that's going on and and maybe encourage us to be different or think about it differently or see another perspective. And so we have these motivations, right? Um but the other side of it is idea generation. How do you generate and create a pool of ideas that you can pull from? And maybe that's part of my problem is I the thing that I that I like to write about, the thing that gets me is perhaps I don't in the moment when I'm feeling it, 
capture the idea so that I can come back to it and flesh it out a little bit further. How do you go about, what are some recommendations you have for generating ideas of things to write about? In a lot of ways, we're not talking about our businesses specifically, although this could touch your business. We're really talking about us personally and our personal brands and our personal writing. Um, how do you generate ideas for, for what you write? Okay, so typically I use Evernote. So Evernote is where my initial ideas go to. So I just think of something and put a note on Evernote and maybe include a YouTube link or a link to another article that I've read that inspired me or something else I tried. And that's that. And if it's something like where I'm fairly sure I want to write about it, I just create a draft on my blog. These are typically things that I say, yeah, for sure I'm going to be writing about this within the next two weeks. And uh, so that would be a draft on my blog. And another thing I do is if, if there's an idea that I want to, it attracts me a lot and I want to explore it, which will obviously lead to me writing about it eventually. I just write it on a sticky note and stick it to my wall. And uh, I'm showing James my <laughs> sticky notes right <laughs> nice, now. Nice, nice. I like that. So proof, proof. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen uh, it, everyone. There's lots of sticky notes. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's what I do. And uh, yeah, works well so far. That's great. I, I do a little bit of I, I've tried I've tried a lot of different like note taking apps or last minute like things to to kind of capture ideas. I've used a lot of them and I'm I'm back at Evernote again trying to re-explore how to use it as a kind of a really I'm just using it as a capturing tool just to capture any thought, idea, thing, web page, snippet, picture, whatever it is, um, just to capture that that I can later go through process it. And I kind of almost use it like somebody would use a getting things done like OmniFocus. It's like an inbox. Everything just goes into one folder, and then I try to regularly go through that folder and kind of re-tag things and refocus them and remind myself of what I've put in there. Um, and and so I'm trying to do that. So I'll be driving in the car, and I'll think about something, and I'll grab, pull out my phone, grab Evernote, and jot down an idea really quick. Um, I'll be reading a web page, and I'll highlight a paragraph, and I'll throw that over into Evernote real quick just to, to give me an idea. Um, I think I, here's the advice I need. How do and maybe you don't struggle with this, so this maybe you may not have a ton of ideas for this. But my biggest problem is, is I get like seventy percent done with an article. I've I've gotten my thoughts out. I've written them mostly down. Maybe I, you know, I tend to work when I write. I tend to work the most on my opening. Um, and then halfway through my my list of detailing the actual data that I'm wanting to share, I start to fizzle out and I lose the passion because the passion is in the opening, right? If the passion is in the story, the passion is in the, this is why I'm writing about it. And then when I get to actually writing about it, I get most of the way through it, but I'm, f I'm fading because it's becoming less and less interesting to me because I don't know if it's becoming farther detached from the story or, or what. Do you, do you ever deal with stuff like that? And if you do, how do you, how do you conquer that? Um, so for me, the number one reason why I don't finish posts apart from losing interest is lack of time, really which actually go together, you know? So I, I say, I'm going to write it. I sit down and write and one hour has passed and I'm actually halfway through and I need to go do something else and that's it. It never gets touched again. So a better way to do it. And this will be hard for you if you struggle with 
perfectionism in your writing is by creating a skeleton first of the post and really fleshing out the skeleton like you know like the kind of the way that uh, images load the progressive images right mm-hmm. on, on the web where you get low quality image and several passes until you get the final image i try to do the same with content so instead of like writing from a blank page really detailed and losing interest or energy halfway through i'll just flesh it out and write really messy if necessary language you know and sometimes i I compose my post at a cafe on evernote or on day one so it's really like lots of typos because i'm composing it on the phone and then i just go home and fix it up later you know but uh, I I really don't really go into detail with linking things up, you know, in the beginning. That's for the final pass or a following pass. And secondly, what I would suggest, I've been using a tool called Epic Beat. I came across this as a, an AppSumo deal recently. And what Epic Beat does is it allows you to see what content's been popular on social media. So let's say if I'm writing about meditation, I can type in meditation or meditation equipment, say, into the search box. And it will give me the most shared items within the last week, last month, last year, whatever you want. And it will show me the influencers in uh, in the meditation space in this case. And a lot of other stuff that you can do. But it will mostly, I use it just to get an alternative of Google, the search results. And sometimes I come across stuff that's exactly what I want to say and explained in a much better way than I would say it. So for that portion of the article, all I need to do is really put out, put in a video from YouTube, right? Right. like in this case, why why do we need renewals, you know, in your case? You don't need to explain yourself why people need renewals because I'm sure that there's some amazing content out there explaining what renewals are and how they work and why you need them. What is unique to what you, what you have to say is how it worked for you in the WordPress space and what were your results. So you should be focusing all your energy on sharing that specific piece of information. Yeah. No, that's fair. No, that's interesting. I'll check. I have to check that out. That is that is an interesting uh, way, and that is really the the hardest struggle for me is is just like. And I wonder if the, my problem is is I'm not a great editor. I mean, I can't read my own thing and edit it. Like I, I I will have typos and grammar problems and bad punctuation and all kinds of stuff dealing with it. Um, and I'm a, so I'm a terrible editor. I can I can write a rough draft. Like I can write a rough. Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what's on my mind. But at that point, I would almost be better to go to my content writer and say, "Here, rewrite this and make it cleaner and more concise." I've said I've put all my heart into the draft, into the messy kind of muddled idea now you clean it up and make it look polished and nice (laughs) so yeah you can do that and Jonas from code and wp does this and he does it really well so he writes english is not his first language so he writes all the info like from his experience in business but then he has somebody else go over it fix the grammar and make it like more cheerful and link link worthy and uh, that kind of stuff so beautifying it yeah that's one approach and if you're concerned about grammar and stuff there's an a chrome tool that i use it's called grammarly and it's like really good it just fixes all the errors and all you have to do is click on stuff and uh, just implement its suggestions it's super easy to use and yeah i love it and i use it for specifically this purpose in, in all honesty i'm not worried about my grammar if my readers aren't 
<laughs> if they're okay with my mistypings, then I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, I'd, I've gotten past the idea of uh, I've, you know, my brain works in the way that it works. And so sometimes I will type a word that I know is absolutely the wrong word just because in my brain, uh, for whatever reason, brain to keyboard, that's what comes out. And I know what I meant. Um, and I think in the early days, years ago, I used to feel like I was like, there was something wrong. Like I was, I honestly, I'm like, man, am I just stupid? Like, what is wrong with me? Like, I know that's not the right word there. And then I realize at some point it's just the way my brain is like pulling it out of me for whatever reason. Obviously I know the difference between these two words and most people who know me know I know the difference between these two words, but for whatever reason, it's just, that's the way it works. I mean, just to the, to the point of like misspellings to, you know, uh, you know, maybe like a like a homonym, right? Like these two words that are, um, or homophone or whatever these. I don't even know which the what the right ones. But basically, Synonym, two words. Right? Uh, well, they're they're two words that are spelled uh, that are that sound the same. They are pronounced the same way, but they mean and are spelled completely differently, right? Like so. Uh, and I do it all the, and I will replace those in my head all the time. Like I'll type them out and I'll read it. If I read it slowly, I will go, what in the world was I thinking? Like, why did I type that word out? But it, for whatever reason, it made logic, made perfect sense when I was typing it out. Anyway, that's a little bit of a rabbit trail on grammar, but, uh, you know, the, the truth is, uh, I'm ter- I'm probably a terrible editor and I've gotten to the point where I have to forgive my, I have to just let myself go. If I want to put out content, one of the things I've had to do and, and this has helped a little bit, although there are the, the, all of the uh, the grammar Nazis out on the uh, on the internet. Every time I put out an article, I'm I'm bound to get five or six people say, you know, the, this word is spelled wrong, or you meant this, or this isn't worded properly. And I have to just forgive myself and just say, listen, if I'm going to get content out, sometimes imperfect content is going to go out, and I have to be okay with that. Otherwise, I'll never release anything. <laughs> like nothing will go out. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, but seriously, Grammarly solves all that. So yeah, no, that's that's cool. Actually, and one I, other thing I would say. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I wonder, does it catch everything? Because like, that's the struggle, right? Um, with some of these things, the words are not wrong. They're just the right. They're not the. They they are correct words. They're just not the right words in that context. No, it's 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 not a spell check, which is great. So that's why it makes it more readable, really, because yeah. like. Sometimes if I'm writing and thinking, I tend to make really long sentences and it will actually suggest that you break it down into break it down different paragraphs or sentences. Yeah. There's a writing but app. Also, for, one for, thing I wanted. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. There's a, there's a writing app that I've used a little bit called Hemingway um, that does some similar mm-hmm. stuff like that, like talks about reading level. Um, but what's funny is I used it and I tried following its rules just to to experiment and break it down to like breaking up the sentences, the s- smaller sentences and stuff like that. And just think, like did all the things that it suggested till it gave me a perfect score. And then I gave it to my content writer and he said, this is crap. Like what, why would you write this way? It's, it's, uh, it's like, it's boxy. It doesn't feel natural. It's not, there's nothing good about this. And I told him, I was like, I was using this application. He goes, stop using it. <laughs> Don't use that application ever again. And maybe grammar, you know, maybe Grammarly is better than that, than, than what Hemingway did. But I th- I do think that's kind of interesting that using it actually made my writing sound more or less natural. Hmm. So the final thing I would say is, why do you stick to text? You're a terrific speaker, and you could just record a video. I, I've played around with the idea of 
I have played around with the idea of turning my site into a, a vlog, if you will. And instead of spending the time writing content, the problem is, you know, for those people who can't watch the video and don't have the time to watch the video, um, there's no content for them and there's no way. So then I have to go and get the video transcribed. Well, that's an extra step and possibly a fee to pay someone to do it. And then that has like all of a sudden it becomes more steps to get it. Like it would take me it would take me less time just to sit down and write the, the freaking article than it would be to do the video and get it transcribed and get it back and pay the fee and all this stuff. So uh, I have thought about it, but I have I have debated whether that's the right move for me or not. See, I think you're thinking of your blog, which might be the reason why you're doing it. But uh, I think you're thinking of your blog too much from like a business rather than your blog. It's more like you're concerned about the titles and the, the grammar and if everybody can see the video and read the text. You know, these are things that you would worry about if you are doing a blog as a means to market a business, you know. And if it's your personal blog, I wouldn't really be concerned about all these things. Yeah, and, and maybe the, and maybe you're right. I, I guess my thinking is I still want it to be a resource. And so I, I sometimes feel like if I'm, you know, Think about it this way. Uh, my website is still, for better or for worse, because of my lack of writing, a part of my personal brand. And so I want to make sure the content is as, is as accessible as possible and, and all of that stuff. But I have thought about the idea. And I, that is, and we said this a little bit earlier, this is why I love podcasting. I don't struggle the same way about speaking as I do about writing. Um, first of all, you can't tell that my brain uh, said two words that are spelled the same, that are spelled differently and mean different things because it's just you're hearing it. You're not reading it. So I can't make the same mistakes. I can get away with run on sentences because they're natural in speaking where they may not be natural in writing. I can like all of those things, all of those things that are atrocities in writing kind of fade away now. Spoken and verbal communication has its own atrocities, has its own problem to deal with, but I tend to not be as plagued by those things as I am through writing. And so I do find verbal communication um, a more natural way, but my other struggle is I am not good at talking to a wall. So you and I can have a very natural conversation and I can be impassioned and I can have great ideas or whatever the case may be. And I may be concise and clear and well thought out. And people may say, wow, he feels very rehearsed in what he's saying. At least I hope that's what you think. And if you don't, don't tell me because you'll hurt my feelings. But uh, <laughs> I, I can do that because I'm looking at you on a video and I'm having a personal conversation. There's a personal connection that we're having. It's harder for me to have an idea and just stare at a wall and or at a camera and speak into a microphone and say, here's what I'm thinking because it doesn't have the same. And, and this is just something I may need to practice at, get over or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I struggle with having the same kind of natural flow and clear thought process walking through it when I'm not actually in a conversation. It's not a part of a dialogue. It's just me monologuing to a, to a, to a microphone. That's a lot more challenging for me, I think. Well, now I feel very useful. You, 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 <laughs> you, you are useful in many more ways than that, Jean. But, but I will say there is, there is some truth to that. Like I, I think that's why if, if somebody was thinking about doing a podcast, I definitely recommend getting a co-host because monologuing is hard. 
It's really hard to monologue consistently, to not lose a beat, to not have all this dead space while you're thinking about the next thing to say. It's easier when you're talk having a conversation. And even if you're doing even if it's a situation where you might be doing most of the talking, having somebody who is able to shake their head in affirmation that they're hearing you and acknowledging you are able to shrug their shoulders and say, I don't have that problem. Like it's it's a visual cue that helps you keep the content moving forward that you otherwise don't have. And that's a struggle for some people. It's a struggle for me. I, again, I just have a hard time monologuing. I can have a conversation and I can, and, and, and strangely, like public speaking on one level or not is monologuing, right? You, if you get up in front and do a presentation, you're generally not having a conversation with the audience. But when I'm speaking publicly, I feel like I'm having a conversation with the audience. I may not be having a conversation with their verbal responses, but I'm having a conversation with their facial responses and their posture and the way they're receiving me and whether or not they laugh at something that I said. I am actually having a conversation with them. Uh, and and so that's a part for me of doing verbal communication. I would, I, that's what I'll do then, John. I, I, John, I, I think what I'll do is every time I want to do something a video i'll just have you get on and i will tell it to you while i record yeah. it <laughs> and that'll work <laughs> or i'll call somebody into my office and say i have something i need to say to you and i'll just record it and post it online <laughs> i can send you a loop video of me nodding if it makes you feel better <laughs> <laughs> probably probably not probably not but uh i like i like the sentiment <laughs> Um, but yeah, so th these are at least a few ideas for people. And we just wanted to have this conversation just for us. So you're just yeah. kind of listening. This is this is actually, in a lot of ways, this is back to our roots a little bit of when we started Mastermind. Very where, raw. Very raw, where we just kind of talk about what we're dealing with currently uh, in our own businesses or blogs or spaces or you know as business owners. And you kind of get to listen in as we kind of flesh out our ideas. And you know the struggle of blogging is not a new struggle. I, every every year somebody writes an article about how to write generate blog ideas or how to finish an article or how to start an article or whatever the case may be or how the best way to frame it or how to categorize and tag your blogs <laughs> on your site like this is something that people are writing about every year but the struggle is real people like it just it keeps coming back and you have to keep fighting against it and so if writing is important to what you do um, hopefully you've got some ideas and some tips uh, that will take you on and, and and John had some really good points too like you have to think about your blog uh, perhaps in a different way than you think about your business marketing website so you may not need to go through the whole process of having pristinely written copy it may be okay just to put up a, a, a two-minute video of you ranting on whatever topic it is that you want to talk about that may be enough um, I've I've struggled with that and I, I you know, maybe maybe this week or next week you'll see a video on my site as me me attempting to do this. I don't know. Um, but I think those are definitely some things to be to, to think about. Definitely lots of ways of generating ideas. Keep uh, an application or something available where you could just generate and, and, and capture those things. Um, write about things mm -hmm. that you're passionate about, obviously, um, and, and just keep pushing forward. But I think those are a lot of great ideas. I have one final idea, um, and it's something I use a lot. So if you see my blog, you'll see that I release content quite regularly. However, the... Well, secret is that I don't write 
I'm not actually writing a post a week. It's more like I sit down for a week, write a bunch of blog posts and schedule them throughout the next three months. That's how I work. I just sometimes feel inspired or I have some downtime or I'm abroad on a holiday and like I have... I can't really work on other stuff that I usually do during the day. And so I just write. And so perhaps this can help you since you're always in the thick of it. And it's like, it's a chore to really go and find time to write about things as well. So perhaps if you're in a different space or in a coffee shop, maybe, and you're in a different frame of mind, that's when you can really sit down and like spend the day writing and maybe churn out three, four blog posts that you can schedule for the next few weeks. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that's good advice. I, I definitely need to find the space both in my head and physically, like the location where I write best. And I don't know that I know where that is right now. Um, and that may be just a, a process that I need to explore to think through um, where I am in the best headspace and the best uh, physical space to actually get this stuff start working towards that. Um, and certainly probably isn't a whole day where I write a bunch of articles, but there may be some chunks of time where I am just more, um, I have more of a propensity to be able to write and get my thoughts out. And I just need to learn how to probably guard that time better to do that thing, because I know this is something that I struggle with. And this is the only time that I can do it the best that I can do it. So that's definitely great advice. Awesome. So I think that's it. I think that's uh that was our very special James wrote on his blog finally and you can too. <laughs> Not right on my blog, but right on yours. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So can I wrap it up? Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh First of all, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Mastermind. Uh, we, you know, we hope that you enjoy the content that we're putting out. We get lots of great comments. I, I will say this: every time I travel, I'm at a conference. Lots of people come up and say, "Love the show. Listen to it a lot. Really appreciate it." Uh, love you guys to and girl and ladies. I have to be careful. I'm always trying to be careful of using proper terminology because I just I, I speak wrong all the time. Um, I, we really definitely would appreciate all uh, all of our listeners to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know that you, if you appreciate the show, appreciate the content. If you have questions, if you have things that you'd like us to cover in an episode, definitely you can uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is MastermindFM, or of course you can reach out to us personally. Uh, you can also send us uh, email at podcast at mastermind.fm. Definitely would love to hear your feedback. Want to know what questions you have. Want to be able to, to uh, discuss the content that's, that's vexing you today. What are the things that you're struggling with in your business? What are the questions that you have in your business right now? What are the questions that you're having as an owner or as a business partner or even maybe as uh, an employee in a startup and you're trying to figure out, navigate what's next for you and how do, how do I handle a certain situation? We would love to be able to help you through that and perhaps even schedule guests who are more focused towards the very things that you guys are, are, are struggling with at this moment. So let us know uh, what's on your mind. Send us an email. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter, leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to uh, love to, to cover those things. Uh, Jean, how can they uh, get a hold of you? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Jean Galea or my personal blog, JeanGalea.com. And you can find me on Twitter at James Laws and I've actually written an article just yesterday at JamesLaws.com. Uh, so thank you for listening and see you next time. See ya. See ya.